Too many men forsake their dreams because they aren't willing to risk or fear they aren't up for the challenge or are never told that those desires deep in their heart are good. But the soul of a man isn't made for controlling things. He's made for adventure. Something in us remembers, however faintly, that when God set man on the earth, he gave us an incredible mission, a charter to explore, to build, to conquer, and to care for all creation. This show is about that ancient song that wells up within each man when he ventures into the unknown. It sings out like a clarion call to the wild places of the earth. This is the anthem of the adventurer. the show for men who are looking to answer the call to the wild places in their lives. I'm your host, Dan Zayner, and today on the show, I've got a special guest for you, an interview from the archives that I recorded a while back with Commander Justin Kibbe from the NOAA Hurricane Hunters. Now, Commander Kibbe is a bit of an adventurer every day. He flies a P-3 Orion through the middle of hurricanes for a job. <laughs> a friend of mine who's a Navy SEAL once called him crazy. And you know, if a Navy SEAL calls you crazy, you are a special human being indeed. I hope you'll enjoy this interview. Thanks for listening. Today we're starting with a quote about hurricanes. One of our, my guests today's favorite quotes, what it's like to be in the eye of a hurricane. It was God's stadium, an almighty bowl of tranquility, surrounded by an epically vast stands of wind-packed white cloud climbing all about us unbroken, smoothly towering taller than mountains. The sea writhed beneath it, spume streaked, and the sky stared down, blank and empty above. Today I have the honor and privilege of interviewing Commander Justin Kibbe from the Noah, Cain, <laughs> the Noah Hurricane Hunters. <laughs> I can't talk today. Um, he graduated from the Naval Academy in 2001, was flying P-3 Orion aircraft with the Navy for 10 years, and then transferred over to the Hurricane Hunters, and now he's in his eighth season piloting that same trusty old aircraft um, into the eye of the storm, uh, getting great data. So thank you, Commander Kibbe, for joining us today, and really looking forward to, uh, to talking to you. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So I would like to start out in asking you about your background, how you got into flying through hurricanes. It's, it's so cool to hear how people started and got interested in uh, their chosen field. So you can, could you give us a little insight on that? Sure. Yeah. So, I, so I've uh, uh, ever since a, a, a young kid, I've, I've always kind of dreamt of, of flying and, and I didn't ever really knew how I wanted to do. I just knew that I, I wanted to fly. I always had a, a fascination with airplanes. Um, uh, it it kind of worked out. I was I was fortunate enough to get an appointment to the United States Naval Academy, and uh, f from there I was able to kind of fulfill my dreams and 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 become a pilot in the U.S. Navy. So I, I flew flew P3s in the Navy, doing a much different mission, um, doing. Uh, a lot of stuff uh, in wartime situations, and all, all the way from Iraq to Afghanistan to Djibouti to Japan. Oh, wow. um, and I did a lot. What had kind a lot of, of a lot missions of does the P3 oh, do in the in the Navy? If you can give people a, a sense of 
kind of generally for those who aren't familiar with that aircraft? Sure. The P-3 is a, is a large four-engine turboprop aircraft that was uh, first built in the 1950s and, and in the 60s, and the Navy used it uh, for Cold War sub-hunting. So mm. its primary mission was to fly low. It was to track um, Russian subs and to figure out uh, figure out where they were at. So that that mission has evolved over the over the you know multitude of years of of that that threat going away so that the plane's mission is transformed into a almost an aerial reconnaissance that has mm. it has uh, nice cameras on it a very nice communication suite so my wartime efforts were spent flying high above um the, the, the troops on the ground ensuring that that they were safe looking out the, their routes and head ahead of them making sure that uh uh, the bad guys weren't trying to hurt them. So we spent a lot of time uh, overland Iraq and Afghanistan um, taking care of the, the guys on the ground who were who were doing the real work. So uh, that, that mission has definitely evolved a lot for the P-3. Wow, that's awesome. It, as a, uh, a guy who used to work in a submarine shipyard, the uh, ASW mission or uh, anti-submarine warfare mission is uh, kind of near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Yeah, it's it is definitely uh, it's definitely an art for folks that uh, uh, both fly the planes. You know, maybe you can be, become very tactically proficient at tracking subs, and and I have friends who who uh, who are still in the in sub the submarine force, and it's just as fun for them because they 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 tell me all the ways they like to avoid us. <laughs> so, uh, it's a little, a little cat and mouse game. Absolutely. So you flew P threes over all sorts of crazy dangerous areas, and then. How did you get into NOAA after that? So I so I, I fulfilled my um, my my service to my, basically my my obligation to the Navy, and I got to the point in my career where um, I could stay in and continue what I was doing and, and move up in the ranks, or I could get out and you know, go do whatever else I wanted to do. And um, I, I enjoyed the uniform service. I enjoyed uh, being in the Navy. Um, and I've uh, I guess I've always had a, a fascination with with weather. Um, I was, I was probably one of those kids that stood outside before the rainstorms came and, you know, and the, the gust front would hit you and then you'd feel the wind and the cool air and hear the lightning and hear my mom yell at me to come inside. <laughs> so, um, it, this was, this was a, I, I'd heard, heard through the Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, um, who flies the same P, this basically the P3 just with a with a with a weather capability suite on it um, was looking for um, inter service transfers. So they were looking for pilots, or for my case, two pilots that wanted to transfer their commission over from the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which is part of the Department of Commerce, um, and continue your careers in a uniform service, just flying your plane into a hurricane instead of a wartime situation. So uh, I put in my application and was was fortunately selected and have been flying uh, NOAA hurricane hunters for the last eight hurricane seasons. Wow. So how different is it flying, you know, when you're knowing that people are going to be trying to shoot you down versus going into a hurricane, which is similarly trying to do some damage to you? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely um, it's a different mindset. Um, I don't know. You talk to any pilot, and any, even in wartime or, or any time, you you feel very safe and very comfortable in your plane. It's almost your, you know, it's your office, and you and you've definitely. It's nice to be in control, and I, I think even you know, it's a it's kind of a 
apples to oranges um, comparison. You're flying over a country who's, you know, the majority of the people don't want you there and, <laughs> and they, and they want to hurt you. You feel safe and comfortable usually at, you know, at higher altitudes. And, um, but there is a little, the unknown of, well, what if something happens? And, um, and likewise for flying in hurricanes, you know, you're, you are somewhere that, uh, I don't, I don't know if you, you should be, but you definitely, um, you're definitely somewhere where there's no other planes. Um, it's a very hostile environment. So the, the opposition in this case is, is mother nature and you've got to hone your skills and, and work with your crew in order to figure out where you can go and where you can't go. Um, but it's definitely, you know, in some cases it, it can be you out, you're out there flying against a, an enemy that's trying, trying to get you. And it's just, you got to stay one step ahead of it. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how big is a crew of the uh, P3 that you fly? So that, so the Orion's, the minimum crew is, is four people. Um, but ours is a flying laboratory. So, um, we'll fly with anywhere from say 15 to 20 people on board. And that's a mix of, of both no core officers who are flying the plane and, 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 and serving as navigators and a mix of, um, government civilian employees who are the technicians, the, the onboard meteorologists, um, who work also at, uh, for NOAA. And then we also have our scientists on board. So our scientists are out there, you know, they, they, they want to go out and get a specific data set in a specific environment. And they kind of plug and play their instruments on our plane, our flying laboratory. And we have anywhere of, you know, five to, to eight scientists on board as well who are uh, the reason that we're there. We're there to get that information out to the public so that uh, so we can help pe- keep people safe. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a super important mission. Um, how long has Noah been doing this uh, Hurricane Hunter mission of getting scientists into the thick of it. How long has this been going on? Uh, Noah's been doing it since the, uh, basically the, maybe the uh, late fifties, early sixties. Oh, wow. Um, using a, a wide variety of planes. Um, and these, the two P threes that we have now were specifically made by Lockheed Martin for, for Noah aircraft operations in the late seventies. So I think one plane was, Built in '75, really? and the other plane was built in '76. So they are old aircraft, um, but uh, but they were built by Lockheed for us um, to use to fly into hurricanes. That's so surprising to hear that an airframe that that is that's that old is still able to fly in such a harsh environment and come out unscathed. Well, not unscathed, but <laughs> safely. Yeah, it, it is a testament to to how well it's built, and if. You, and you think about it, it's been upgraded through the years, but it's it's 1950s and 60s technology um, that goes into it. And it's very um, redundant. There's there's multiple systems. There's it's a very powerful aircraft um, and it's built it's built like an old pickup truck. It's built well. Um, you just got to take care of it. We have a great group of maintenance folks here and, and, and avionics and, and, uh, and engineering technicians who do that. They keep the upgrades going on this plane. Um, and it, it is, you know, it was built by Lockheed Martin for the Navy, um, to fly low, uh, 200 feet and hunt submarines. And that's a harsh environment yeah. as well. So it, uh, it is, uh, it's just a, it's just a matter of flying the aircraft correctly, um, with the proper inputs in our environment in the hurricane. 
And, you know, our, our goal is obviously to, if you do one takeoff, you do one landing and, and bring it back safely. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, it is a, it is a very well built aircraft um, compared to, you know, jet airliners of today's age that are, a lot of them are composite and they're, they're, they're meant to fly high and fast and, and away from the weather and, and conserve fuel where ours is primarily built to, to fly at very low levels and very rough environments. And the heck with how much fuel it uses. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we, we, we always, we always make sure we have enough and just a little bit more to get home. Yeah, so. exactly. So you talked a little bit about flying low through a hurricane. Can you kind of give us an idea of the altitudes that you would typically fly to get that kind of, you know, profile through the hurricane and what, what a flight would look like. Sure. So, yeah, so our, our science, um, our scientists and, and where the data is very important is, is the, the inner core portion of the hurricane anywhere from say 5,000 to about 12,000 feet. So our, our primary emissions are, um, usually around 8,000 to 10,000 feet through the storm. Um, and, and, you know, some folks will ask us, you know, do we fly around it? Do we go up and over it and then go into the eye? So the short answer is no. We go directly <laughs> through the storm multiple times, um, anywhere from five to 12,000 feet back and forth collecting this data. So um, it, is a, uh, it, it, is, it is what we'd say the sweet spot of the storm um, where we can paint our radars um, throw out drop sounds um, and actually give a kind of give a, a internal, basically an, an MRI of the storm and, mm. and figure out its structure and figure out where it's at and how strong it is. So why is that? That is so important to get so close to the core of the hurricane. Um, for those that aren't familiar with the structure of a hurricane, what's uh, the big importance there about that particular sweet spot? So, so the altitude is 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 very important because that's where the that's where there's a lot of um, dynamics happening, um, and you know the, when you start looking at these storms in the middle of the ocean and and, and they're coming across and, and an aircraft hasn't flown on it yet, you know they really don't know where the low the low pressure center is at. So mm. you know, first and foremost, what's important is that no kidding no wind center. So you'll see um, once an aircraft flies into it, figures out where exactly that eye is, where that low pressure center is, that information starts to get fed in the, into these these spaghetti models, these models, and it starts to that way it gives them a summary starting point to figure out where it's at. Um, and and what NOAA does is NOAA definitely gets that center position, but we also have a multitude of radars. We have a, a tail Doppler radar. Um, which is on the back of our aircraft, which is basically kind of as we cut through the storm is a is a cat scan of the storm. It it tells you the the inner structure of the storm almost if you if you said the storm was a wedding cake and you cut it in half and then looked at it from the from from looking at the inside. That's what that's what this radar does. It tells mm. you exactly um, what the structure of the storm looks like. That information is getting fed into in, into these models and well into using this environmental uh, data is going to tell you not only where the storm is at, but it's where its strong points are, you know, and we're also throwing out or dropping drop sons, which are small cylindrical tubes that fall through the atmosphere and they're measuring, measuring pressure, temperature, humidity, and wind speed. Um, and if you drop a lot of those, you're getting a nice column of air and you know exactly 
um, with that, what's going on in that column there. And you can put them all together and you can paint a really, really great picture of what this storm, where it's at and what it's doing. Is it going to strengthen? Is it going to weaken? Um, we'll, we'll put out uh, sono buoys that measure water temperature hmm. as well. Um, so, so you'll know that this storm is in, a, you know, where it's at, you know, it's in a very warm water environment, which usually means it's going to start to strengthen. So, um, that information that the, that without a plane in the storm, you're never going to get it. You're not going to get it right now. You're not going to get it from a satellite. Um, you may get, if it passes over a, a buoy, you may get that information until the buoy gets some of it, but not all pieces. of it <laughs> until the buoy goes away. And then you think about it and that's a, you got information at a buoy that it's one point in the water and the storm is maybe 400 square miles. So, so um, our planes cover that whole, that whole 400 square miles or whatever it is collecting this data instantaneously and like i said before getting it on the plane and then getting it off the plane directly so that we can get it to the public what's the biggest storm you've ever flown through you're saying kind of 400 square miles is kind of the average but just give us a sense of scale of like some of the bigger ones you've been through um you know i guess biggest it's a relative question so biggest would as far as the largest storm um, would be would be I guess what they call now was, was Superstorm Sandy, um, that uh, that was a very large storm that hit the Northeast a couple of years ago. I remember that one. Um, and obviously made made a great impact up there. Um, and it was a and again from a flying perspective, it was a very very benign storm. There wasn't much convection. Um, it was a very relatively easy storm to fly. But what made Sandy so bad was the 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 hurricane force winds were went out hundreds of miles from the center. Um, and even though there was no convection involved, um, these winds um, were all the way out, you know, very far from the center of the storm. Um, and and uh, those winds, along with the storm surge that pushed all that, that wall of water up into the northeast, combined for a very, um, a very, a very dangerous storm. So, even though it was easy for us to, to mark the center and collect this data and all that good stuff, it was a very impactful storm because of how far the wind field went out from, from the center. Yeah. I remember that storm really well. So I grew up in the Midwest and moved to Connecticut after we got married in uh, 2009. And we went through Irene and then Sandy on the shoreline of Connecticut. And I remember watching the, uh, you know, the weather channel and the national hurricane Sur- center and, Seeing your uh, your flights through Sandy, it was like, oh boy, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a, it was one of those storms that you know almost looked more like a a, a large nor'easter than anything, but uh, but it was it was a, a very impactful storm that 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 created uh, caused a lot of damage, and uh, you know that was by far the biggest storm just because of the the the, the sheer. Um, strength of the and, the and the size of the hurricane force winds from the center. Yeah, and usually those winds aren't a huge distance like that away from the the center of the storm, are they? No, usually I mean they can be, but I think more on the average these these hurricane force winds are 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 very close to the eye, definitely in the eye wall, and can extend out beyond that. But I think you know we're talking um, a very very small scale of maybe. 20 to 30 miles away from the eye or up to 50 maybe, but nothing like what we saw with Sandy where they're, where they're really far away. So it was definitely a, uh, um, a, a different storm than most. Yeah. 
Which also brings up a good point of you were talking about earlier about some of the measurements that only you can take in that aircraft, especially when the storm is developing, it may not have a, that defined eye that we see on you know satellite pictures for quite a while or maybe even ever in that storm. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So if you if you'll see these these areas that the National Hurricane Center will put up where they're looking at invest areas, um, where, there, where there's, say, a pocket full of thunderstorms that could have the potential to, to start to spin and, and develop that low-pressure center. Um, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll send us out, and we'll go out at a, very, at a lower level, um, somewhere around in the, you know, the, the 1,500 to 5,000-foot to range, depending on how, how strong it is, and, and fly very low or lower than normal, close to the ocean surface. And really try to see if there is a low pressure starting to form um, and if and once once that low pressure can be closed off or we can we can determine that yes there is a low pressure center um, that really helps with figuring out now we kind of know where this this low pressure is and like i said that can feed into other models and 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 see what happens and see what see if there's a development potential development for the storm system yeah yeah exactly Hey, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. Today we're brought to you by the awesome patrons over on Patreon. Patreon is a platform where you can support the show on a monthly basis to help with production costs and also improve the show with higher quality audio, swag for supporters, and much more as we reach our monthly goals. Head on over to patreon.com slash anthem of the adventurer to pledge your support. And thank you for making this happen. Now back to the show. In your eight years of flying, what are some of the most memorable moments that you've had? Maybe a particular storm or uh, something that's just you'll well, never I, forget. I think there's, yeah, I think there's there's two that come into 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 my memory, and I think they're, they're it's funny because they're kind of bookends of, of of where I'm at in my career right now. So um, there's there's no training that you can do to to learn how to fly into into these storms. So. I'll, you definitely you definitely talk to the senior pilots and you and you when you first check in and you you learn what you to expect um, and you go through a, a syllabus to figure out you know how, how to be a how to be a good co-pilot and one day a good aircraft commander in in, in this environment but even coming from the navy with with thousands of hours in the plane um, you know it's just an environment that I hadn't been through so everything is kind of on the job uh, learning and instruction so my first hurricane flight that I was ever in was a uh, it was a Category Four or Five storm. It was uh, Hurricane Earl uh, oh, wow. back in 2010, and we flew it. We flew it out of Barbados, and so we deployed to Barbados. And my first mission um, as a pilot in one of these storms was, was at night. And uh, again, I just, I, I mean, I can remember it just going into it. I mean, it's an eight-hour flight, but I can, I can remember everything about it just because it was the first time I'd seen it, and you know, I'd, first time. Um, but, oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> Why are we here? Um, uh, my first pass through the storm was obviously at night. So at night you can't, you can't see any clouds. You can't see anything. It's just pitch black and you hear the rain. You, you can, you can see the lightning when it flashes. But I remember going, making my first penetration and we went into the eye of the storm and I was as about as white knuckled as you can get holding on for dear life. And I remember breaking into the eye of the storm and it was, it was kind of really cool because I remember looking up once the winds calmed down and we're in the eye and I looked up and you could see stars above you. And it was absolutely beautiful. I, it was, it wow. was surreal to, to, to feel like 
having just flown through the worst turbulence of I've ever been through my life to being in this very calm and serene location. It was very beautiful. And to see the stars above you and I uh, kind of was looking at it and, and getting, we're getting ready to go out the other side of the eye wall once we marked center. And I remember looking at the stars and all of a sudden I remember just seeing the, one of the brightest flashes of lightning I've ever seen in my life that went from 50,000 feet above me to all the way to the surface and the whole entire eye wall that we were getting ready to go out through had just lit up with lightning. And I was thinking to myself, wow, it was, it was a, it was a, okay, we're, we're still in a hurricane. We're getting ready to go out and I need to refocus and kind of get, get everything in, 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 uh, in one shot, one spot. So, um, yeah, I just, I'll never forget that, that flash of lightning kind of zoom me back to the reality of, man, I'm, we're in a hurricane. And, uh, again, it was a, it was a very large storm and a very turbulent storm. Um, but I'll never, I'll never forget seeing that lightning just basically light up across my face. Wow. <laughs> How's that turbulence compared to like um, normal airliner turbulence? Like, are we talking roller coasters or like how bad, how bad is it? Um, yeah, you know, flying in an airliner, I think I, I tell folks that take, take the worst you've seen in an airliner. And this is not on an every flight occurrence. This happens, you know, on every couple flights or maybe every couple storms, you never know. Um, but take that turbulence that you've been through and multiply it by about 10. And that's what you can, that's what we're seeing. Wow. Um, I'd say maybe on a normal basis. And, and you got to think the, an airliner is, you know, the pilots are, they're, they're avoiding weather. And if they, they're avoiding even clear air turbulence where they can, they can stay away from that stuff. So, um, but you, you, it can, it can definitely shake you, but the, you know, the thing is you're, you're prepared for it and we're prepared for it. The, the people in the back know what they're getting into. Um, and, you know, you're, you can anticipate it if you're being in a, an airliner. And even when I fly now in an airliner, it's nerve wracking to be in the back and, <laughs> and not being able to see what they're looking at or figure out what they're doing. Yeah, and, you don't have your hand on uh, the stick. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm kind of a backseat driver at that point, kind of pushing that, that brake that's not there or holding on to the seat. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's definitely, it can be a little bit different. Wow. So I think you were going to, uh, talk about another hurricane after Earl. You were saying there was a, like a bookend to your careers. Was there a recent one that that really stuck out to you? Yeah, I, uh, uh, I and and it's been a very busy hurricane season, as most people know. Goodness, yes. And it's been. I'm, we're we're hoping it's winding down now. We've gotten we've got to the end of November, but we're hoping it's closing out. But uh, but um, Hurricane Irma, which obviously impacted a lot of people. Uh, we were flying that storm out of out of Barbados as well, and and uh, this was no more than about a month and a half ago, and and it was by far the the most turbulent storm that I'd been in. It was it definitely uh, really put the the plane through a ringer on on one of our flights, and um, never I'll you know again never forget that that portion that flight that specific flight because of the amount of turbulence that we went through and. And we saw that storm go from we flew that storm going from a basically a, cat, a tropical storm category one all the way to a cat five. And we flew it in the, in the in the during the day when it went from a four to a five, and wow. it was a, the the most turbulent storm that I'd been through. Um, and what we do is we follow, if as these storms approach the coast, we'll follow, follow them as long as we can, and then 
um, we'll kind of retreat and we went to Barbados and then we ended up coming back to Lakeland, Florida, which is our home base and continue to fly the storm. Um, so we're flying the storm and, uh, and now the storm is coming towards Cuba and toward the, the Straits of Florida. And it's now predicted to make the turn north. So anywhere from Miami to Tampa, um, we didn't know, we were trying to figure out where it's going to hit. So we're flying the storm. And and now we've come to the point where we're actually making preparations at our hangar and and the crews are making preparations for their family to either evacuate or to leave Tampa or leave Lakeland, wherever you're wherever that and and go somewhere to safety. So um, it's memorable in that aspect that that now it's you know, it's 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 one thing to go out and fly these storms and provide this information when it's when it's not gonna affect you. You go home to your your family and you go to bed and you, and you wake up the next day and do it again. But now it's impacting, you know, people here. It's impacting everybody, the pilots, the mechanics, the, 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 the secretaries, you know, everybody's here has gotten is now, is now worried about this storm impacting mm. uh, Florida and, and, and Tampa. And, and you know, it, I think from that aspect, it really brought home to the point of why we're doing this um, and, and, and why we're out there. And then it gets to the point too where you say, okay, we got to fly it. We flew it all the way to landfall, and then it basically came up and hit, you know, you know just south of Naples, and uh, on a Sunday, Sunday night, and or a Sunday morning, and and yeah, so it was a, it was impactful in that way that it it was truly affecting, you know, the people on the plane, the 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 person aspect, the people aspect where. Yeah, we're. I was worried for my family, and I was worried, you know, for for the for the hangar, and, and it's just, uh, yeah, you'll never never forget that. Yeah, and thank goodness, uh, you know, it didn't hit Tampa as bad as it could have, um, and we're just really thankful for that. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, a, a track change of of 50 miles uh, to the west would have been a lot different for for Tampa, and you know, so that, and again. It, why we're there we're there to try to figure out what where this storm's going to go and 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 a lot of it is it's, it's going to go where it's going to go we hopefully we can just get get the warning of the people in the right time but yeah we were you know the, this whole area was very fortunate to you know to, to not take a, a, a very uh, sharp hit from the storm um and yeah people lost power and and for a couple of days or weeks and uh, but we, yeah the area was very fortunate that's actually probably a good segue into what's next for the hurricane hunters and for Noah as you guys improve and work towards getting more accurate information and data and forecasts, what's next for you guys? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're a, um, not only a, a reconnaissance or finding that, that centers the storm, we're a research, um, um, organization, um, by far. So we're, you know, we're always going out there and we're trying to, um, better our technology, better the, the, the equipment that we put in, in the storms to, to, again, in my mind, I hope that, you know, in, in years from now that, yeah, there's, this can all be done remotely from something, something else. <laughs> um, and, and not with humans in the storm. We're not there yet, but, but at some point, you know, my, my kids won't have to go out and fly in the storms, but, um, you know, I, one of the recent, one of the uh, very successful, um, uh, thing we did this past hurricane season, was we launched some some um, UAVs, these uh, these drones in the oh, really? in the hurricanes, and 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 we flew drones um, in areas of a, of the storm that were areas that you just don't want to be in, um, very low level, um, where a plane wouldn't be safe to be in a plane. So 
um, you know, we're, we're improving on that technology um, that, that, you know, we're sending now, we're sending out these, these drones, dropping them from our plane, flown by a pilot in the back. Um, really? And they're, they're flying these, yeah, they're flying, they're flying these drones at uh, low levels and we're kind of the mothership <laughs> um, uh, in the, in the storm. And, and, and so we're, you know, we did that uh, very, uh, did that successfully uh, this past hurricane season. So uh, constant things like that that we're trying to, to 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 get that very crucial data and hopefully put keep keep people out of uh, keep the pilots and the and the people in the back out of harm's way. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've had actually had a couple of people on our show about um, UAVs and tornado research, um, and it's really cool to see that the hurricane research is going that way too, and. Wanted to let you know, if you weren't already connected with them, I'd be happy to make an introduction with um, our team over <laughs> at the uh, the Wall of Wind down in Florida International University. Okay, um, They've done some okay. UAV testing there, and they can simulate up to a Category 5 hurricane with rain. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, we've, yeah we've, we have done our first... Our first, our first successful drop of a UAV was, uh, uh, I think it was Hurricane Edward a couple of years ago, and that was our very first successful one, and we've been improving that technology ever since, and that's our goal is to keep improving it, and, and you know, we're, we, we, we have an instrument on the plane now that, uh, that is, that helps with satellite calibration as satellites pass over these oh, really? columns, we're looking to improve the, me- improve the measurements that these satellites are seeing. Um, so you basically have a component on a satellite um, that is overpassing the storm, and you have that same component on the plane that's in situ, that's in that environment, and you verify that data. You verify that information that the satellite sees and compare it to what we're seeing. And then, you know, so we're improving that technology as well. We're, we're you know, these hopefully these satellites can pass over and, and gather a lot of that information um, to the point where maybe like a, a plane doesn't have to be there at, at some point, but, uh, but we're, yeah, like, so we're, we're trying to improve that, 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 uh, that, that aspect as well. Well, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops in the coming years. Um, and we're going to come to the end of our time here and just wanted to see, um, where can people, uh, find out more about the hurricane hunters, uh, find out about the amazing things you've been doing this hurricane season and uh, keep following you to the end end of this season and get ready for next uh, next season in June. Sure. So uh, I think their their first stop shop should be uh, nhc.noaa.gov. Uh, that is all things all things hurricane. So you know we're out there and, and when we're collecting this information, um, the Hurricane Center takes this information and they package it into the format that that makes sense for people. Um, so, you know, www.nhc.noaa.gov is going to keep, keep the public informed of what's happening out there. So everything that we're collecting, um, is going to be, is going to be in a nice, pretty map format. Uh, and, and they go through everything for, with discussions of, of what's out there and, and they talk about what the aircraft are doing through each of the storms. So, uh, I think that's the, that's the place people should go. And, you know, June 1st to November 30th is the hurricane season. So that, that site is up to date as possible during that time frame, and and uh, that's 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 where they should they where they should turn for their information. Excellent. Well, thanks for being with us today. I really appreciate your time. This has been awesome. It's been great getting to know you, and uh, hopefully um, we don't have too many more flights until uh, the end of end of November. Um, stay safe out there if you're if you're going up again, and we'll be we'll be in touch. 
Absolutely, Dan. I appreciate the the opportunity to talk. And uh, yeah, like I, like you said, I, I hope it's winding down. It looks like looks to be that way. And uh, um, but uh, no matter what, uh, we'll be ready for it. Thanks, Commander Kibby. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. Please leave us a review in iTunes. Those are the lifeblood of a new podcast, and we really appreciate those. If you want to continue the conversation around this episode and engage with your fellow adventurers on our weekly challenge, join our group on Facebook. Now go out and live your adventure. 